what's up and welcome to difficulty class a podcast about all things dungeons and dragons i'm one of your hosts ali deichman and with me this week is trevor bettis and we are fucking liars yeah i hate to say it but it's true uh sorry john jonathan ship we're 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 pushing back the uh the tyranny of dragons review because so much has happened since the last episode yeah can you blame us there it, it was the past two days have been filled with D news yeah like it, it was either we record two full-length episodes yeah. and post them in the same week or we just push it back. So we're voting for the form or for the latter and we're, we're, we're going to do Tyranny of Dragons next week so you get one more week sending those questions. Difficultyclass.gmail.com yeah. uh, But yeah, so we're going we're gonna to be talking about uh, what, what are we talking about today? Okay, so there's a lot. There's a lot um, of news. So we're going to be talking about it's, it's going to be about the new UA that came out. Yes. Um, we're also going to be talking about pretty much the good chunk of news yeah. and pretty much how the internet and how D&D fans received it. Yeah. Um, that's going to take up a good chunk of our time. And then it, also we have our own personal news. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, we don't have any listener questions because it was focused on Tyranny Dragons. Again, sorry about that. We love you. Don't donate <laughs> us. We, we're, sorry. Um, but uh, I think we're going to be fine without that. Uh, but first, Allie, how are your games this week? So um, funny enough, I just want to do a quick shout out because it, I got reminded of it because if you asked me right now, mm-hmm. I played the, oh gosh, um, the 666 to Mephesto. Oh, you did? Yeah. So, okay, so for people who don't know, we did a uh, DM's Guild Spotlight a while ago for the uh, Hellbound Heist. Mm-hmm. And so you ran some of it. Yeah. Happy birthday, Justice. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Justice. <laughs> you did that one. Running yeah. your module here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. Oh, my God. As soon as I started describing one of the cars, like no spoilers for this one, my players were like, bees? <laughs> <laughs> They got so worried about just everything, and it was beautiful, and it was it was such a good game. That, that oddly ties into my game, where one of my players has said several times now, I miss my jar of bees. <laughs> like, we straight up got into one of the passenger cars, and they're like, is this straight up fucking murder on the Orient Express? I'm like, yeah, but we're in hell, and everyone's covered in blood. <laughs> Like this fucking devil with the with the deer stalker on is like you must be suspicious. No one's leaving this car until we figure this out. And it's Sounds like, like an episode of Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> it was such a fun like game, and we, we didn't even finish. We haven't even gotten oh to the end gosh. of it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of fun doing that one, and I couldn't recommend doing that like anymore. Yeah, we'll, we'll replug it. Go check out Hellbound yeah. House and DMs yeah, Guild Spotlight. Hell, no, Hellbound Heists. Guild. Yeah, it's such a good like. <laughs> Everything about it is great. I've gotten so much use out of it. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Trevor? Um, well, I, I missed our Pathfinder game because oh, yeah. I was at a family event. We had a lot of fun on that yeah, Pathfinder you're, game. You're, you're going to have to tell me about it. Fill mm-hmm. me on what happened because like, I wasn't there. But I did get to have a little bit of D&D fun at my family thing. Nice. So I said this a while ago when we did the, the family episode that I got my nephews into D&D. That's right. And I and I just showered them with D and D stuff. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. here's the starter kit, here's the young adventures guys, here's the demonology or dungeonology book, all that stuff. And so, one of my nephew's birthday is this month, and you know we did our Christmas thing late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got him birthday presents, and I got him the new young adventures uh, book, which was the uh, the tombs and dungeons. Nice. And I'm showing him it, and. At the back, there's an image, and he goes, oh, "Is that Bruno Battlehammer?" 
and my heart was just like, oh, oh my, my god. god. Oh my god, my nephew just name dropped Bruno Battlehammer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um and uh and yeah, so I got them the the battle grid and the DM screen and everything. So they they are freaking loving it. I tried to teach their mom how to play D&D uh, <laughs> because she's like, "I don't know what to do and they want me to play with them." <laughs> That's so sweet though. <laughs> yeah. Um but in my my Skype game Oh god, what happened? Um a lot of spoilers for Storm King's Thunder that I can't talk about. <laughs> um but uh they did meet a uh an NPC who they immediately fell in love with and tried to Pokemon them again. Oh gosh. But they were very much just like, No, I'll hang out though, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do any of that fighting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they they really loved it. But it was it was good. We didn't get to do a game this week because people were sick and tired. It is the season. Yeah, it is. But it was fine. We'll we'll get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think that's it for me. Yeah, it's it's been a short week. It feels like. <laughs> it, oh my god, this week has flown by. If you can't tell, you probably already seen on Twitter. We're really excited, <laughs> and for us, we still like haven't. It hasn't all set in. I know. You, you've read this tweet a few days ago. If you follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class, <laughs> um, but we're gonna move into some dungeon keeping, which I know we usually do broadsheets first. Yeah. we're doing dungeon yeah, keeping. Yeah, we're doing dungeon keeping. <laughs> but this se- the segment of dungeon keeping is also called champion loot mm-hmm. and that is because we're freaking ecstatic to announce that we have joined the partner program for idle champions yes each week we are going to be reading off a code that you can put into the game and unlock a gold chest hell yeah and it's gonna get you items and it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great mm-hmm. and i cannot believe this is real get them item levels up yeah if you, if you were tired <laughs> of hearing us talk about idle champions i am sorry for you because man it's we gonna get to talk keep about on going we literally get to talk about it even more <laughs> so we're going to be doing a new segment um just after broadsheets uh which is or after dungeon keeping mm-hmm. uh which is champion loot and that's where we're going to read off the code might talk about what we're doing in the game a little bit and have some good idle champions times yeah. and when we are so freaking filled so uh, pumped thrilled <laughs> thank you so much idol champions for this opportunity mm-hmm. clive the the uh, marketing director you are fantastic and one of the best people i've ever spoken to <laughs> on email uh so thank you very much for that and uh you know what let's read a code yeah so this is our first code so code is j a u p r o a d h a n d go get yourself a gold chest and all mm-hmm. champions. If you haven't started the game, do it now. It is a great time to do it. We're giving you free stuff, and it's so much fun. One of my friends got into it this week. Hey, yeah, no, he, <laughs> we we got on Destiny. He's like, so I downloaded that Isle Champions game. I'm like, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, you yeah. did. And that, and that was before we, we were just getting through into this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I can help you out a little more with that soon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Idle Champions, it's awesome. Go do it. Okay, now let's get into the broadsheets. This is a big board of broadsheets. Ma- the majority of our show notes <laughs> is broadsheets. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, okay, so first up, we talked last week about uh, Hero Forge uh, doing a Kickstarter. Yes. And it was for their colored minis. Yes. Well, it is launched. It launched today of recording, so it's already live for you mm-hmm. listening. And this thing is blowing up. Oh, yeah. No, it's rightly so, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, what are they at right now? Do you, so do you have that? So their goal was 42000 Oh, my God. <laughs> right now, less than 24 hours since they announced it. Mm-hmm. I think less than 12 hours since they announced it. Yeah. 
946,100, and the number won't stop moving. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm so happy for them. Now it's at 926,223,000. Yeah. This is incredible. Uh, not just because, like, there is another D&D-related, role-play-related Kickstarter that is mm -hmm. flying through its goals, but... What this Kickstarter actually is is even more than what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so it's not just 3D color minis, which by itself is amazing and cool. Yeah, they're using like top-of-the-line new technology for 3D printing to get these colors in yes. there. Yes. Um, so what the three things that they show here is they have a ready-to-paint, which is the, the gray one. Mm -hmm. And this, the image they have on here looks a lot more like the the minis you buy in a store yeah than what they've had previously yeah then they have the 3d color printed and then they actually are doing professionally painted minis mm -hmm. those ones are going to be really expensive but rightly so and rightly so because they they, look, know, phenomenal. they look phenomenal but probably the most incredible thing for me and the thing that i was most hesitant about this the 3d color printed are 40 dollars that's it. That's insane. That's it. It's only 40 bucks. I, I thought it was going to be $60, $80. What's cool, though, is I was looking at it, and you don't have to do much. You can just throw, like, some inks on there and some shades, and it can bump it up, like, three times easier. And you don't have to do any much real effort, too. And, and well, the, the crazy thing is they also said that they have um, basically... Shades a, and drive. Well, no, they have an algorithm too. that if you don't want to go through and pick all the colors, you can hit a button and it will do it for you. Yeah, they have like pre-made like class and everything like features set out for it. Yeah, it, it, that's absolutely insane. Like it's more than what I thought it was going to mm -hmm. be. And and like, I don't know, I guess I don't know what I was thinking it was going to be because the, the image they showed with the woman with the wings, like the colors in those wings were incredible and blended. And that is what it is. I it is. Yeah, I cannot believe that. <laughs> it, these look mm -hmm. absolutely phenomenal. But they actually are doing even more than that. Yeah, it, I don't think any too many people were really expecting this, and it's awesome. No, you can actually do a virtual tabletop with these now. Yeah. So it is going to cost money to do this. We're not sure what. Right now, you can do uh, forty dollars for a year. Or, and it's going to be expired by now, but uh, for the first day, they had $100 gets you a lifetime use of this. I think right now, if you're listening on Friday, uh, it's $150 mm -hmm. for the lifetime one. And what this does is you get to make all the minis you want, use the color, and then make tokens with them. You can have an isometric view or a top-down view, yep. and then you can put them on a 2D battle mat. Yeah. And there's a dice roller and everything. This looks like a mixture between Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. Yeah, so if you have like 14 minis saved up in your Hero Forge folders. You don't want to know how many I have. I know. Um, <laughs> then you can easily play with all of those minis in this like Roll20 or tabletop feature that is totally digital. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know... They don't have too much, at least from what I saw, about this of like how easy it's going to be to like have people come in mm -hmm. uh, to if you can do it through the browser and whatnot. Yeah. But the fact that they're doing this and that you can make your own minis and make them look good. Yeah. That's that has got me excited because, like I said, I have a Skype game, mm -hmm. so this could be good for that. I I'm I already pledged at the sixty dollar level where you get one three D printed color mini. 
and a year of this token stuff. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely going to get a color printed mini just because I, one, love Hero Forge and everything they've done. Oh, I've gotten, yeah. like, I think four minis from them, not to mention how many minis I've I, given to friends. I'm so indecisive and I haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> I'm finally doing it! <laughs> and, like, and their minis are so high quality and every single year that they're out, it's just gotten better and yeah. better quality. And, like, because I have, um, I painted my friend's mini from the first year they did it. And oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a huge difference between the one that I just bought last month. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And they release new stuff every day. They mm-hmm. keep telling us, too. It's like just because they're working on this Kickstarter and all the things that's going to come from it isn't going to stop them from still releasing new stuff. Yeah. So kudos to them. They've come a long way from where they started. And I can't wait to see where this Kickstarter is going to go. There is one more. Yeah? Yeah. If you don't use minis and just do theater of the mind, there is another option for you as well. You can actually make a mini and then get a character sheet made with the image of that mini on it. Hey, look at that. Which is great for me. I suck at drawing. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I'm not good at it. I can write you a description of your character. <laughs> I cannot draw it for you. And so this also has me thrilled. I it, They don't show what the full character sheet looks like, but just from this, it looks really cool. Uh, it's But I want to see what the whole thing is for that yeah. organization part of me. See, like I love that concept because I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I Google image search like bard elf. And then I kind of build my character around whatever image yeah. I like the best. And now you can just go make that. Mm-hmm. You can just make one you had in your head. Instead of trying to find one that best matches it. <laughs> Absolutely insane. I, I'm very excited about this. The You should definitely go. Like, even if you're not interested in this, just go check out this Kickstarter and see the mm-hmm. stuff that they're doing. Because I'll be honest, this kind of feels like a a pivot in, like, the the products that yeah. we're going to be getting Miniature for, for roleplay. Yeah. yeah, like, this is definitely upping the game. Yeah. And I, I cannot wait to see what they do with this. This this has blown me away, and I am so mm-hmm. excited. It also just continues to make me want a 3D printer. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, one of the one of the um, tiers they have, it's $50, and you get 10 credits for files. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's, because that's usually half the price. It's, yeah, it's, usually it's $10 per file, yeah. but that's... It's so good. It's $5 per file of a custom-made 3D mold, essentially, that you can print on yourself. It's so cool. It's still climbing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's let's move over into our next uh, topic or next, you know, broadsheets, whatever. Um, So that Hot Topic merch that we talked about a while ago is finally coming out. Yeah. It's more than just the pop vinyls that we saw. Yes. and, Mm -hmm. uh, And we did find out that all of this merch is from Funko. Yeah. Uh, so the T-shirts and all that stuff. Um, I'll be honest. The the T-shirts are kind of generic, like D and D, not them, great. Well, one of them had the the lich uh, or uh, a Cyrax face on yeah, it. Yeah, a Cyrax face. Cool. Um, it was actually Hydro. Um, yeah, seventy four. It's his artwork. Yeah. Um, it's on the back of the shirt. Oh. It's yeah. It's kind of it's no, kind of odd that way. But um, I will. I do like the Beholder one that they have. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, that one's a pretty cool yeah. art. It's like it's understatement. So it's not like. D and D in your face, Dragon but it's Dragon. it's a pretty cool thing that if you know D and D, you'll recognize it. Yeah. Um. They also have really pretty earrings. They have oh, really? like these iridescent purple like D and D like D twenty earrings oh, with that. the ampersand oh, wow. on the twenty. They have like the ampersand as one of the earrings, and then one other one that I can't remember right now. But it's they're actually really cute. 
Um, but they're at Hot Topic, so they're very accessible for most people. Most people, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're not, on the they're, website. Yeah, they're on the yeah. website, and they're even having a sale right now. So if you have a chance, go check it out. Uh, but also as part of the the you know Funko D and D news, those pops are now out in the wild. I've been yeah. getting texts and DMs about <laughs> it, like look at they're here, um, and that's awesome. So they got uh, Minsk, a Mind Flare, and Asmodeus. Yeah, or Asmodeus, whatever, however you say it. Um, I, it's so crazy that D&D is where it is right now. I'm so happy for it. <laughs> Next up, uh, we have uh, DMs Guild is letting uh, authors opt in or out of the site-wide sales. Yeah, so it's something that uh, Laura Hersburner, uh actually brought to my attention. So essentially, there's now a setting in the promotional tools for DMs Guild creators that's let you opt in or out of site sales. Essentially, it goes from uh, what percentage? It was 41 to 80% off sales. Oh, okay. So in case oh, they have like those, those bundles, yeah. And then you could also decide like if you only want your newer titles that you have released or if your older ones. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you can really actually have a lot of, um, you could even select individual titles that you only want to be specified like on sale too. that's awesome yeah i i know that this was from the creators that i follow i know this has been a, a point of contention where all of a sudden their thing that's doing really well sales wise is suddenly on sale and yeah they're getting more but they're getting less money out of it yeah and so um it's not only good for like those site-wide sales to where it gives you brings attention to your writing um it's great Income and boost sales of non-sale products, too, in general. Yeah. So um, if you're a DMs Guild creator, I recommend taking a look at that. It's pretty easy. It's in your content. And just go to the content promotion tools, and it's right there for you. Good go, DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, the new issue of Dragon Magazine has a Descent into Avernus side quest. You got, a little, you got the info about that. Yeah. So D&D just published, uh, essentially, the new Dragon Magazine. Um, and on there in issue 29 includes a free side quest um it's in the candle keep section essentially so if you're thinking about running Baldur's gate descent into avernus definitely check out this little side quest because it also kind of helps flesh out that part of the like module a little bit mm-hmm. too so um i haven't quite read it entirely because there's it looks like it's actually quite a, a good thing going on here so um I, I am gearing up to run that. So, so definitely give it yeah, a look. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take a look. Also, if you don't have uh, the, the Dragon Plus app or read the uh, Dragon Magazine, you should definitely take a look. It's really good. And it has it's a lot of good easy. stuff in it. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a lot of good like interviews and segments and stuff like that. Great artworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give away maps in there. Yeah. It's fantastic. Definitely. I mean, like a lot of things that you know and recognize now kind of came from Dragon Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, Ravenloft oh. itself kind of started off in, like, the magazine being published that way, too, oh. if I remember right. Um, I, I know that in uh, the thing that brought my attention to it back during 4th edition was that's where um, Tomb of Annihilation first was put into 4th mm-hmm. edition. And then later into 5th edition uh, during D&D Next. Yeah, exactly. And Chris Perkins did both of those. So I'm like, hey. <laughs> so, yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check out Dragon Magazine yet, uh, go ahead. It's dragonmag.com. It's it's done through Wizards. So yep. it's, kinda, it's good. <laughs> and there's also an app that you can get on iPhone or Android that's mm-hmm. Dragon Plus. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, next up is, uh, another Idol Champions news, less to do with us. Um, <laughs> so, Idol Champions announced today, uh, they put out a tweet that said, We are thrilled to announce Mars's Guiding Hand, broadcasting weekly on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Twitch, debuting tomorrow, tomorrow, January 15th, so it's already, you know, you'll catch it next week. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's hosted by, uh, Ryan Blake Hall, and he will be covering the latest content and evolving meta of Idol Champions. This, I think, is going to be great for new players mm-hmm. i think that uh if if you don't really understand what's going on from what it's sounding like this is going to be a good place to go to see like oh okay who's good with what what position should i have these people in yeah the the strategies it's not just a oh here's your favorite characters throw them in a game it is kind of like a strategy game oh it um, really is i mean like yeah it's um, we can continue gushing about it but um, definitely take a take a peek into that at I, least. I'm definitely going to because uh, the, uh, even this week I had a champion that I m- accidentally moved and my DPS went up and I went, what, did I, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, I remember the first day I came over and I'm all like, no, Trevor, you gotta, and <laughs> I, I just did, moved everything I around. Even, yeah, I didn't even know positioning was a thing. And you're like, <laughs> you gotta do this. And then all of a sudden, like, I was destroying everything in front of me. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, check those out on Twitch. Uh, it's, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, that, that's a big one for our next topic. Yep. So uh, so Wizards announced their new book. This was the one that uh, we talked about last week. It was not L'Oreal Silverhand's Explorer's Guide as I thought it was going to be. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it now makes that dice set more confusing for me. But it is the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that name doesn't ring any bell for you, it's probably because you don't watch Critical Role. Uh, this is the setting for the second season of Critical Role, which is currently going on. And this book was written and produced by Matt Mercer. So you're going to be able to play in the world that they're running in. Well, you're in the continent that they're currently on. Because the first season was in the same world, but on a different continent. Yeah. Um, the non-Wizards published book, the, the Tal'Dori book goes over that stuff mostly and this is going to be this is official canon now and uh made by wizards and it's going to be where they currently are playing uh it's got a load of stuff in it uh let's actually go over and take a look so product review uh uncover a trove of new optional uh new options usable in any DD game featuring subclasses spells magic items monsters and more rooted in the adventures of critical role such as vestiges of Divergent divergence. Oh, I can't read. <laughs> Vestiges of divergence and the possibility, uh, man, the possibility of manipulating magic of dunamancy. Mm-hmm. Start a campaign in any wild mount, uh, any of wild mount's regions using a variety of introductory uh, adventures, dozens of regional plot seeds, and a heroic chronicle system, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, a way to create characters' backstories rooted in wild mount. Explore every corner of Wild Mount and discover mysteries revealed for the first time by Critical Role Dungeon Master Matt Mercer. So, what do we think about this? So, at first I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I mean, like, because uh, you heard me last week. I was all excited about getting, like, a Faerun setting book. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even excited about getting, like, an old school revamped book. I was just excited about another Faerun book. But, mm-hmm. however, I got, we got the Wild Mount book. Um, I personally don't really listen to Critical Role, mostly because I've got that whole... Uh, uh, you know, when you feel inferior because people do it better than you. Thing. Oh, imposter syndrome? Yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I get that 
crazily when I whenever I listen to Critical Role, so I just kind of avoid it, which is my choice. Yeah, I know it's amazing, and my boyfriend, my roommates, everyone loves it. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's a great show, and I totally support him. But I, I was just kind of indifferent about it. However, I know a lot of people are really excited about it. Oh yeah, it. like um, I started listening to it this year. Um, and I actually picked up listening to it again today because I was like, hey, you know, we're going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily that, that imposter syndrome thing hasn't hit me. I'm just like, oh, that's a cool thing Matt does there. <laughs> yeah. And then there's other times where I'm like, I wish my players did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that this is super freaking cool if for no other reason than this is the first setting to be uh, uh, taken into D&D. So basically new settings since Eberron. Yeah. Back in, what was it, 2003? Yeah. That's insane. Like, th- this is uh, almost 20 years later, we finally get a new campaign setting. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if you don't count Ravnica. <laughs> yeah, no, I get, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right with that. But, um, oh yeah, I guess you're right with that, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But still, like, the fact that this is, you know, critical role, everyone that loves it, you know, it has been clamoring for something like this. And not only that, it's official canon. Like, that's so freaking it's cool. another plane of existence. It is. And, <laughs> in the and, D&D multiverse. <laughs> I, but, like, I, I, my, my friend Garrett put it best because he texted me about it. And I was like, what do you think? And he goes, I get more new stuff. What's not to like? Yeah. And I was like, that's probably the perfect way to look at this. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I don't think you have to look at this with the critical role eye. Like, this is just really cool content that's coming out from someone who's really passionate about the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell Dunamancy is because I've, I'm on like episode six of the damn show, <laughs> which means I've listened for what, 20 hours. And, yeah. um, I don't know what the hell that means, but I, I watched Matt Mercer talk about it on D and D beyond. And it sounds fucking cool. Yeah. I get new monsters, subclasses. I'm, I'm thrilled with this. I'm very excited Be, mm-hmm. and because I, th- and I think the other reason why I'm excited more so than if it was like, well, I wouldn't have been excited if it was Dark Sun. But if, like, if it had been another <laughs> D&D talk. setting, is that like I could I, – I would know what to expect in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect in this. And I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten that in a D&D book in so long because – and I, and this is – I'm not saying anything bad about 5th edition. But because it is a lot of older stuff being new again, I kind of know what to expect when I'm going into it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I at least have a notion of it. This one, I'm like – I I know that this is where critical role plays and that's and that's, and it. that's it. I don't know <laughs> all of this stuff and I'm sure that there are people out there that watch critical role and stuff that do um but I'm looking at it from the outside perspective of like I don't I'm just now listening but I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean like even if you have been listening uh, this is a whole new mechanics that you've never personally dealt with. Mm-hmm. And something hit me last night um where I realized like these guys that are playing in like the game, the CR2 campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Liam, like, for example, he'll be able to actually use D&D Beyond, an official oh, wow, yeah. subclass from the website. He doesn't have to like homebrew a class anymore for his character. That's true. That's so, true. <laughs> I'm like, that's something really cool to think about. Yeah. That it's like it, these guys is just like actual game is becoming like canon <laughs> yeah that's that's insane to me yeah that, like the the these this group's homebrew game is now D canon and everyone can play it mm-hmm. that's crazy i know right but not everyone had that uh reaction <laughs> okay yeah um so in case you're you're not really aware of like 
social media and how that works. There are a lot of times there's a lot of bad opinions when it com- things come out. Some bad takes. Bad takes. Um, one of those is major gatekeeping. Yes. So a lot of people have been talking about how, oh, this is just some famous person's headcanon world. And these people that listen don't even really play D&D. Why should they get the book when instead the real fans of D&D didn't get the setting that they actually wanted, like Planescape or whatever have you. So that's just a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw a lot of that yesterday and I was kind of taken aback. Yeah. Um, Like, I, I saw people legit saying that, like, people who watch Critical Role don't own player's handbooks like at all and i'm like no um i i i know that to be very wrong yeah very very wrong but i here's the thing i will say i do also know people that watch critical role that don't play D &D. yeah it happens and it's fine i i've had people show up to our bookstore games i had Mm -hmm. this uh like the second time i ran it i had people show up who had only ever watched critical role had never played and they were going to play, but when more people showed up, they got shy. Yeah. And I was like, that's fine. That's, hey, it's your yeah. call. But, you know, it's, the thing is, though, is that it's fine either way. Like, I, 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 I kind of wonder what would have happened if they had announced this book and, like, didn't say Matt Mercer or Critical Role. And people, I, I, I really wonder yeah. if people would have been like, oh, it's a new campaign setting. Yay. But yeah. if it has, if it's the fact that it's Critical Role it's and they're like, I'm cooler than that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can we just enjoy things? Yeah, just because <laughs> you... <laughs> I mean, like, it's the, the concept of, like, if you don't play D&D, but you're watching Critter, it's like you're not a real D&D fan. Yes. It's like, ah, just because you watch American Ninja Warrior doesn't make you a <laughs> <No>, parkour master. <laughs> yeah. that, like, that's, it's like, I'm... just because you're not a parkour master while you're watching American Ninja Warrior doesn't make you less of a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but the, at the same time, I do know that there was some toxicity coming back the other way. Yeah. Uh, people were, were reacting to it very... Uh, very vis- like with a bad take on it themselves and yeah. so it was one of those times where i'm like this is escalating a little too far a little too quick and it's about a book that we can all enjoy so i don't understand why the anger is coming out yeah on either side it should i i, I really wish there was more just like hey we're getting a new book let's celebrate that yeah, somebody's homebrew game is being canon. That's cool. It's really nice. I mean, like when the Acquisitions Inc. book came out, none of this happened. Yeah, you brought that up before the show. That is really interesting to think none about. None of this happened. When it was announced, everyone was excited about oh, yeah. it. Even people who have never heard of Acquisitions Inc. were like, oh, cool, a new book with cool stuff in it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And Chris Perkins backs. It's like, yeah, it's going to be great no matter what. And yeah. here we are like in a very similar situation where another podcast slash streaming service gets their own book. Yeah. This is not the first time it's being done. Mm-mm. Like, and people are taking it with such just grit. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why and where that came from. And uh, I kind of boiled it down because I was talking to Spencer last night about mm-hmm. it too. Like, I think number one reason like whether it's subconscious but is jealousy straight up because i mean like how many streams are out there where it's like oh we want to be the next critical role yeah and then they get their thing oh it's only because they're famous that's yeah not because they're good or anything but it's because they're famous because they got their really like 12 million dollar kickstarter that's why but at the same time like yeah but go (laughs) back and look like the look at the first streamed episode of critical role yeah like 
they didn't even play the game for like 40 minutes or something because they were just talking. And I'm yeah. like, this is the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen. They it, yep. they grew. They expanded. They, mm-hmm. they got better. And uh, But it, it, still, none of that for me like is a factor. It's just... It's, it's more D&D. I'm excited. Another reason I was thinking why people are hesitant or even are giving backlash to this concept is because of uh, Matt Mercer's, like, heyday contributions to the com- community. They were put out, like, the Gunslinger class. Oh, or oh yeah. When, uh, like, pretty much anything like that, when he would put it out, he admitted himself, like, I would put these things out without testing him at all mm-hmm. because I'm just a brand new baby DMs Guild person yeah. and I'm just throwing things out there. And people, because of who he is, would take it without a grain of salt. They'd take it as gospel and yeah. they'd play it at a table. However, it would be very overpowered or it'd be very broken and DMs everywhere would be like, what the fuck is this? And so... Over the years, of course, Mercer has put out, like, updates to these things and, like, free, like, hey, you should not play this anymore and play this version instead. Um, But because of that, people have a lot of vitriol towards his community making, like, abilities. I can can understand that, but... This isn't being put on on DMs Guild. This isn't like just Not some third party thing. Not to mention, there are other big names working on this. Yeah, this isn't just a Matt Mercer book. This yeah. is made by people like James Hayek, James Intracosco, Chris Lockie. Like all these people have made other dms guild like not dms guild other D books yeah like, wizards produced yeah. books james hayek he was a big part of the eberron book and like a lot of these people are huge pe- like proponents of the past yes. five or so D books and they worked very closely with matt mercer and matt mercer in the end he was kind of more just like a consultant and like the first line being of saying this is what this is and yeah. everyone else kind of wrote and tested everything else yeah i i i think the thing for that is, is like this wizards is putting this out they're not yeah. just going to half-ass it and put oh, something God, out with no. matt's name on it yeah no <laughs> if they wanted to do that they could have done that three years ago yeah yeah exactly <laughs> But no, this was a very made book. It was been apparently been worked on for the past like two years. Yeah. And it's I'm really excited to see what comes out of it. I am too. I I I will say that um I haven't told my players this so that they, they, you know they might listen. Uh, this book actually made me decide that I'm going to do a plane hopping uh adventure soon. Oh, very cool. Or campaign. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I have all these campaign settings, I'm gonna use them. Yeah. And so th- this, is well. the, this is the one that made me go like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna this is gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not only that, but something that I'm just so happy about is the concept of bringing, it's it's an easy accessibility item for people that have never played D&D before, but mm. that do listen yeah. to Critical Role. Yeah, I, like, we talked before about, like, you know, the Essentials Kit and Starter Kit and the, the Stranger Things box and mm. the Rick and Morty box. And the other, I don't know who this is for. This is for people, like, I feel like this would get you comfortable with playing mm-hmm. D&D if you only watch Critical Role. It's, again, it's building the community of players and it's doing good for it this is a whole world that they are very familiar with yeah and even if it was only told through this one group of adventurers Mm -hmm. like point of view now you can go through this world you could live out your fan fiction that you've been writing (laughs) with your own ocs and you can actually play that with actual mechanics that are being built and you can actually play the DD game that you guys have been writing about for the past like Mm -hmm. year and a half and I'm so excited for new players just yep. in general to come in. And I'm excited to even play it at the bookstore, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is going to be fun to do that. It's like, how many kids are going to be like, oh, man, the critical role. And yeah. it's like, they're going to be so excited about it. 
And so I'm excited for all those people that like haven't played D&D yet, but now finally have the chance and the the comfort of something they're really like familiar with because sure we know high fantasy but high fantasy is almost too generic mm-hmm. whereas this is like it feels like home for them yeah dnd is cool it is <laughs> i'm excited <laughs> for no- more cool things last thing i'm going to say about this is uh you all should go check out matt mercer's post on reddit that he mm-hmm. did it was on rdnd he's got a link to it on his twitter and it's a very heartfelt thing about yeah the making of this and you know his anxiety towards it and everything it, it you should go check it out definitely okay well i think uh what was that uh oh yeah 40 minutes okay cool yeah yeah, yeah good stuff. <laughs> um so we're going to move over into our dm's guild spotlight yeah um and this one uh, it, it's, it's it's a little nice one um why don't you tell us about it ali definitely so it's called glitter gold's clockwork combat player pack um it's pretty much Based off of the, it's a supplement to the best-selling Glitter Gold's Clockwork Combat. Um, however, it's 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 a lot of fun. That's all it is. It's a it's a lot of heartfelt, like no pressure kind of fun yeah. to go along with it. Um, there's a build a bot workshop, and you can craft your own combat bot. It includes a custom character sheet in it as well. Um, they added six new power ups to make your Clockwork Combat chaotic awesome. Their words, and I love it. <laughs> um, and so, pretty much, if you're looking for a one shot to play for like a charity event or just a lighthearted session after Astarac's Tomb, this is a great thing to look at. Mm-hmm. What's awesome and why we're pretty much like spotlighting it is that 100% of these sales go directly to Extra Life. Yep. That is a charity that we've talked about before on this podcast and we'll talk about it many times again. Um, and their suggested price is $20, but it is pay what you want. Yes. So if you can only afford a dollar to donate, that's all they need. Yep. Um, every and bit a- helps. And 100% of that dollar is going to go to mm-hmm. Extra Life, which is fantastic. Yeah. So uh, anything you can spare, it's a great blessing and helps heal sick kids. So, it, it, And if nothing else, just go look at the cover with his adorable little robot man. Oh, my God. It's so cute. He's got such a mm-hmm. smile on his face. and I love him. Yeah. So it is written by Drew Dawes, um, who, like I said, worked on the Glitter Gold's Clockwork Combat. You've probably seen that around DM's Guild a few times mm-hmm. now. Um, but I would give it a shot. We're going to post a link like we usually do. Um, it is a pay what you want, so feel free to check that out and give some to charity. Yeah. All right. Now the topic at hand. <laughs> We're there now. <laughs> We're there now. The Unearthed Arcana released today, which is probably why the Tyranny of Dragons got pushed back. Again, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jonathan. I'm sorry. There's so much, though. <laughs> There's so much. And it's been such a, a packed day that we're almost going into this blind Practically. I mean, uh, I'll be honest, I've only ever just seen that there's four subclass options and Mm -hmm. that's about it. (laughs) So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna read through these, give Mm -hmm. our thoughts on them like we normally do. Read along with us if you'd like and, uh, tell us, and you know, later on, tell us what you think, uh, at, uh, at difficulty class on Twitter or at difficulty podcast at Mm gmail.com. So I just want to start out with the title because that's kind of almost important. It's called Unearthed Arcana 2020 subclasses, comma part one so just like last year where they released like a sling of subclasses all in a row like month to month to month to month here i kind of feel like they might be doing something similar again Mm -hmm. so i feel like just that title alone makes me feel like we might be getting a php 0.5 yeah i just i don't know i don't know what they're doing there's so many subclasses now Mm -hmm. but Let's go over what it is. So this document provides subclass options for the Barbarian, Monk, Paladin, and Warlock. So the first one, Barbarian. 
Beasts. The Path of the Beasts. It's the third level option that you can get. Barbarians who walk the path of beasts draw their rage from bestial spark burning within their souls. That beast howls to be released and bursts forth in the throes of rage. Those who tread this path might be inhabited by a primal spirit or descended from shapeshifters. You can choose the origin of your feral might or determine it randomly by rolling on the origin of beast table. So there's four options they have here. Um, one is that you're descended from a legendary druid. One of your parents is a lycanthrope. A face spirit gifted you with to be able to be bestial aspects and an ancient animal spirit dwells literally within you. So I like that they have just straight up background options. I do in too. There. The the one thing uh, that I will point out this early on is that I, these these subclasses that are about your history, I it, it, it's weird for me because I'm like you don't get until third level, and for some games, third level is pretty far away. Yeah, and so you really have to plan ahead of time to to get to this point to make this moment pay off. So, I don't know. It, the, the ones that do the, the where it's tied to your backstory is really weird for me when you don't get it till third level. That's a great point. I mean, that's also a big reason why a lot of the times our campaigns start at level three. Yeah. Because starting at level one, half the times we don't even get to play our actual character until like three sessions later. I mean, that that's the whole reason why I start giving feats at level one is to make your character special. Because mm -hmm. at level one, it's not really that special. Yeah, unless you're like one of three classes that actually get stuff at level one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the actual Path of the Beast feature that you get is called Form of the Beast. When you enter your rage, you can transform, revealing the bestial power within you. Until your rage ends, you manifest a natural melee weapon, choosing one of the following options each time you rage. So there's Bite. Your mouth transforms into a bestial snout or great mandibles, your choice. Your bite deals 1d8 piercing and once on each of your turns when you damage a creature with a bite, you regain a number of hit points equal to your con mod. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. So you get a really neat bite. Um, claws. Your, your hand transforms into claws, which deal 1d6 slashing damage on a hit. When you take the attack action on your turn and make an attack with your claws, you can make one additional attack using your claws as part of the same action. That's pretty cool at third level. That doesn't count as extra attack. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's neat. Tail. You grow a lashing spiny tail, which deals 1d12 piercing damage Jesus. on a hit and has the reach property. What the hell are you? Wow. Okay, that that went 0 to 60 real fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What the hell, dude? <laughs> Suddenly a barbarian with reach at level 3 with a 1d12 damage plus their rage damage. What the? Okay. Okay. All right. So that's level three. That's what you get the chance to do. So whenever, every time you rage, you choose one of these things. Yeah. So the sixth level Pact of the Beast feature is called Bestial Soul. The feral spirit within you grows in power, causing the natural weapons of your form of the beast to count as magical for the purposes of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks. You can also call on the feral spirit to help you adapt to your surroundings. When you finish a short or long rest, choose one of the following benefits, which last until you finish a short or long rest. Imagine that. So, you gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed, and you can breathe underwater. What the? F you gain a climbing speed equal to your walking speed, and you can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down and ceilings, without needing to make an ability check. You can make Spider-Man. Oh my god. Um, when you jump, you can make a strength athletics check and extend your jump by a number of feet equal to the check's total. Wow. Whoa. You can make this special check only once per turn. 
Uh, yeah, and then there, there's a, a rule tip for jumping cost movement. Yeah, so pretty much just saying, like, your jump movement, like, if you jump 20 feet, that takes up 20 feet of your movement. Yeah. Just so you don't think, like, oh, if I jump everywhere, I can move four times as far. I, I have some thoughts already, but let's keep going. <laughs> okay. So, at 10th level, pack to the base feature is called Infectious Fury. When you hit a creature with your natural weapons while you are raging, the spirit within you can curse your target with rabid fury. The target must succeed in a wisdom saving throw, which is 8 plus your con mod plus your proficiency bonus. Hey, look at that. Hey. Or suffer one of the following effects. The target mm. must use its reaction to make a melee attack against another creature of your choice that you can see. That's interesting. Or the target takes 2d12 psychic damage. Oh, well, that's uh, level 10. Okay. That's still... Uh, I like that, but damn. That's uh, that's 3d12 if you're using the tail. That's more damage than the Toll the Dead cantrip. I think that they'd have to be at level 13, or is that a level 11? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, because it's when you hit. Yeah. Wow. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your con mod. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Okay. So, I like the idea. <laughs> well, it's not done yet. There's Call the Hunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, so, this is 14th level. Uh, Path of the Beast feature. Call the hunt. The beast within grows so powerful that you can spread its ferocity to your allies. What? When you enter your rage, you can choose a number of willing creatures you can see within 30 feet of you equal to your con mod. Until your rage ends, the chosen creature gains the reckless attack feature and you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened. You also gain five temp hit points for each creature that accepts this benefit. Oh, you gain five temp hit points for each wow. creature. Wow. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your con mod, and you regain all it uses when you finish a long rest. Okay. Yeah, there's a little rule tip saying that temporary hit points also don't stack, yeah. just to remind you guys. So that's fun. There's a lot in there, and considering that barbarians are probably the most, like, when it comes to the level cap, the, the level 20 thing that you get as a barbarian, mm -hmm. that can get really big, really. <laughs> like, well, my, my thing about this... Mm-hmm. It feels all over the place. Yeah. Like it says you know, one of your parents w uh, is a lycanthrope. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does the spiky tail come from that? How does the psychic damage come from that? Where, Scorpion? S you're, you're, you're a, you've got a <laughs> swimming speed and can breathe underwater. Uh -huh. It's very, like, I like the idea of it, but it feels too wide. Like, um... It, it should, like, some of the wording is kind of off, like you said. Like, one of the options is, oh, one of your parents is a lycanthrope, and you've inherited some of the curse. Like, that doesn't really apply to no. this, because then you should only really get, like, one of these the, things each time. You don't you shouldn't get yeah. the choice. The, the druid would make sense, the the face spirit. Like, I, I think, mm -hmm. really, it's that first one that's bugging me, because one, it sounds like a cool, interesting backstory. Yeah. The, the other three make sense, mm -hmm. but it's still a very odd and different barbarian path yeah i don't know what i think about that no I, I agree with you it is kind of a little over the place i think if they more described it and they just took away that first option of just the plain lycanthrope because yeah the entire thing sounds like it's all about adapting to change and yeah. how the animal within has such a like unpredictableness that, yeah. that you just you can choose whatever you want every time it could be different okay yeah okay yeah, yeah, that makes sense yeah but um yeah if they stick to like the lycanthrope concept is like, ah, that doesn't make too much sense. Yeah. Monk. Yep. So you get this at third level. Again, it's a third level benefit. So it's called way of mercy. 
Monks of the Way of Mercy learn to manipulate the life force of others to bring aid to those in need. They are wandering physicians to the poor and hurt. However, to those beyond their help, whether ailing or evil, they bring a swift end as an act of mercy. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Um, those who follow the way of mercy might be humble members of a religious order administering to those in greatest need, making grim choices rooted in reality rather than idealism. Some might be gentle voice healers beloved by their communities, while others might be masked bringers of macabre mercies. Mercies. Yeah. <laughs> The walkers of this way usually don simple robes with deep cowls, and they often conceal their faces with masks, presenting themselves as the faceless bringers of life and death. God. Jesus if you wear Christ. a mask, choose its appearance or determine it randomly by rolling on the table. So there's a raven, blank and white, uh, crying visage, laughing visage, skull, and butterfly. So these are like masks you can choose from. Do you really like bleach? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So... At third level, you get a few things because naturally monks get yep. a lot at third level. Um, there's called the implements of mercy. You gain proficiency in the insight or medicine skill of your choice. Uh, you gain proficiency with the herbalism kit and the poisoner's kit. And at third, you also get hands of healing. Your mystical touch can mend wounds. As an action, you can spend one key point to touch a creature and restore a number of hit points equal to a roll of your martial arts die plus your wisdom modifier. Oh, that's neat. Wow. Um, when you use Flurry of Blows, you can replace one of the unarmed strikes with the use of this feature without spending its key cost. Huh. When you use Flurry of Blows, you can replace one of the unarmed strikes. Huh. So if you're within five feet of an ally, you can, like, whap them in the side of the head oh. and give them, give them some heals without expending extra key to do it. Okay, so you spend a key point to do Fury of Blows, but then basically as a you bonus, you can... You forego one of the attacks as a heal. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, hands of harm is another third level. So you get three things at third level. You use your key to inflict wounds. When you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend one key point to deal extra necrotic damage equal to one roll of your martial arts die. If the creature is incapacitated or poisoned, the creature instead takes necrotic damage equal to three rolls of your martial arts die instead. Jesus. You can use this feature only once on each of your turns. There's no limit to how many times you can do it, except for the key point pool, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it looks like this class is really centered around you being able to poison people because that's huge. But also, like, like the healing aspect of it is very interesting. Like, already I want to make... We're not even doing this one. I, I want to make an NPC. Like, the, the, the wizard one with the, the word magic stuff, mm -hmm. that made me want to make a villain. This makes me want to make a really interesting NPC. Yeah. Like, a true, like, almost neutral one. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, able yeah. to help, and those they can't help, they're willing to murder. <laughs> <laughs> murder. Um, at sixth level, you get this thing called Noxious Aura. Ooh, an aura. That's fun. As a bonus action, you spend one key point to turn your key into an aura of toxic miasma. The aura extends five feet from you in every direction, but not through total cover. It lasts for one minute until you're incapac incapacitated or you dismiss it. No action required. While your aura is active, ranged attacks have disadvantage against you. Any other creature that starts its turn in the aura must succeed on a con saving throw or become poisoned until the end of your next turn and take poison damage equal to your wisdom mod. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's where the poison effect t comes from. So you no longer have to do poison your weapons or anything like that. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. But at 11th level, there's the thing called healing technique. 
Your skill manipulating your key to heal increases. When you restore hit points to a creature using your hands of healing, you can allow also end one disease or a condition from the following list. Blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. Damn. So when you heal someone, you can also cure you just a condition. End it. Yeah. You just straight end it. That's cool. That's a little better than what clerics can do. Because especially fact, with Monk's action economy, yeah. you can do so much in one turn. But the fact that it comes at 11th, I still think is fair to clerics. Yeah, no, it is. Because clerics can do that at like level three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's pretty good. Like I'm, I'm talking straight action economy, though. That's really efficient. Yeah. Um, Hand of Mercy. It's the 17th level Way of Mercy feature. Your mastery of life energy opens the door to the ultimate respite technique. As an action, you can touch a creature, expend four key points, and force the creature to make a con saving throw. The creature can willingly fail the save. Unless the save succeeds, the creature enters a state of suspended animation for a number of days equal to your monk level or until you end the effect early. During this time, the creature is paralyzed has immunity to all damage, and any curse, disease, or poison affecting it is suspended. Holy shit. The creature appears dead to all outward inspection and to spells used to determine the creature's status. You can only have one creature under the effect of this feature at a time. That's awesome. I love that. That's so cool. If they're, like, straight up dying because a poison is about to murder them, you can be like, friend... Hang on, and you just put him into a stasis. <laughs> I, I, but but I mean, like once again, like the NPC idea, might like ha- having like some ruler of a land that's like dying, and this is like their their you know nurse or whatever that has put them in this state and is taking care of it's them, like and tells the the players, hey, you only have three days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I mean, like because eh, it says that it's indefinite, but still, like that they need to do something about. It. That's just, I really love that idea. That's so well, cool. It's not indefinite. Oh, I thought it said it was. No, it says it's suspended animation for a number of days equal to your month level or oh, until you end the effect early. That's right. Okay. Yeah, no, that. Oh, cool. That puts a time clock on. That's even yeah. funner. Oh, so that's, all right. That's pretty neat. Um, they also have a rule tip here saying you're a creature. <laughs> creature is anything that belongs to one of the creature types listed in the intro of Monster Manual. So PCs, including you guys, are all creatures. So I kind of wish they was just like rule tip. You're a creature. And then it just said the more you know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Yeah, because that's something that a lot of players tend to forget. It's yes. like, oh, target a creature. It's like, are, are we a creature? <laughs> Yo, you a creature. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it comes to AOE effects. Yeah. That's what they're just like, <laughs> oh, we're, well, well, it just says creatures. Yeah, you're a creature. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one we want to talk about is Paladin. You get oh, this you know. again at third level. So it's called the Oath of the Watchers. And for all those Dark Souls fans out there. <laughs> What's up? I'm here. You're going to like this because as soon as I read this, this is like the only one I read a little bit ahead and I, I already like it. Paladins who vow the Oath of the Watchers seek to protect the mortal realm from the predations of extraplanar creatures, yes. many of which can lay waste to mortal soldiers. Thus, the Watchers hone their minds, spirits, and bodies to be the ultimate weapons against such threats. Paladins who follow the Watcher's Oath are ever vigilant in spotting the influence of extraplanar forces, often establishing a network of spies and informants to gather information on suspected cults. To a Watcher, keeping a healthy suspicion and awareness about one's surroundings is as natural as wearing armor in battle. I want the woman that narrates the opening to Dark Souls 3 to read that to me. <laughs> oh my god, my Dark Souls, my, my soul, my Dark Souls soul is so happy right now. So just hearing that alone and before I go into the tenants, that really feels like pre-cursed abyss washers yeah like before they were completely just Let's consumed by the abyss go. that sounded like it was them 
But I, I don't know if we've mentioned this. We are massive Dark Souls fans, so like we're we're geeking out real hard right now. Yeah, this this is real exciting for. I've I've never personally wanted to be a paladin, but this kind of makes me want to be a paladin. And I, and I got that Abyss Watcher figure. I know. And over there, I can <laughs> you, do you it. You got him. I could do it. So the tenants of the Watchers, because as you know, as a paladin, this is pretty much what you follow. You could be lawful not to a god, but to these tenants. Hell yeah. So. A paladin who assumes the oath of the Watchers swears to safeguard the mortal realm from otherworldly threats. Vigilance. The you threats don't tap while you attack. Yeah. Oh, sorry, wrong game. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> vigilance. <laughs> nice. Uh, the threats you face are cunning, powerful, and subversive. Be ever alert for the corruption. Loyalty. Never accept gifts or favors from fiends or those who truck with them. Stay true to your order, your comrades, and your duty. Discipline. You are the shield against the endless terrors that lie beyond the stars. Your blade must be forever sharp and your mind keen to survive what lies beyond. I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like this. So, Oath Spells. At third level, you gain spells at Paladin levels listed in the Oath Watchers table. See the Sacred Oath class feature for how Oath Spells work. So, at third level, you get Alarm and Chromatic Orb. That's really neat. At fifth, you get Augury and Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Nice. At ninth level, holy shit, you get Counterspell. And non-detection. Thirteenth, you get Aura of Purity and Banishment. Banishment. Holy shit. At seventeenth, you get Hold Monster Monster. and Hollow. Wow. Those are really cool. Okay, Okay, this has got to be a Dark Souls reference. Moonbeam? Really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. The fact that you can banish these fuckers back too. So that's oh like my so God. cool. So so every time one of these UAs comes out, as soon as it gets launched on D&D Beyond, I go and make one of the classes. I'm making this one. Yeah. I am straight up going to make this yeah, one yeah, as yeah. soon as it goes live. I, I really want to play one of these guys. So also at third level, you get a channel divinity. Um, you gain the following channel divinity options. See the sacred oath class feature, how that works, essentially. Let's look. Watchers will. You can use your channel divinity to invest your presence with the warding power of your faith. As an action, you can choose a number of creatures you can see within up 30 feet of you, up to a number of equal to your charisma mod. For one minute, all the chosen creatures have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. Hell yeah. Oh my god, that's really nice. So, yeah, advantage. That's not even like a bonus. Yeah. That's advantage. Yeah. Holy shit. The next one is Abjure the Extraplanar. You can use your channel divinity to castigate unworldly beings. That's a sentence. <laughs> As an action, you present your holy symbol and each elemental, fave, fiend, or aberration within 30 feet of you that can hear you must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is turned for one minute or until it takes damage. Whoa. A turned creature must... So this is turn undead, but with for extra elemental fey fiends and aberrations whoa that's so fucking cool <laughs> and would be so helpful in my whoa. campaign right now so what's this? <clears throat> excuse me a turned creature must spend its turns trying to move as far away from you as it can and it can't willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you for its action it can only use the dash action or try to escape from an effect that prevents it from moving there's nowhere to move the creature can use the dodge action so yeah it's exactly well, the same as that well here's the question i have though because mm-hmm. this is a little bit different than turn undead in terms of a party yeah what if you have fey people as your friends mm. and don't or don't janazi count as elemental do t- do tieflings count as fiends? No, they don't. Not they don't? when it comes to creature types. Okay. They don't count as those. Okay. So like if you straight up like say like, oh, what creature type are you? They're humanoid. Okay. They're not fiend. They're not fae. Okay. So that's nice. But like if you do straight up have like an art, like a fae helping you. Yeah. This doesn't say 
like yeah it doesn't let each you elemental that you choose it's each one that can hear you see you yeah so there's that okay aura of the sentinel so this is seventh and 18th level of the oath of the watchers features you emit an aura of alertness while you aren't incapacitated. When you and any creature of your choice within 10 feet of you rolls initiative, they each gain a bonus to initiative equal to your charisma mod. Wow. Holy shit. At 18th level, the range of this aura increases to 30 feet. That's pretty cool. And there's no limit to that. That's just always. That's just period. That's, wow. That's the aura you exude. Also, when you read the line, uh, you emit an aura of alertness while uh, you aren't incapacitated. I just pictured the rock doing the smolder look in Jumanji. <laughs> I don't know why this popped in there. <laughs> Um, at 15th level, it's called an oath. The level of the feature is called Vigilant Rebuke. You've learned how to magically chastise anyone who dares cast unwanted spells at you and your wands. And your wards, not wands. <laughs> I was like, what? Whenever you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you succeeds on a saving throw against a spell, you can use your reaction to deal 2d8 plus your charisma mod and force damage to the spellcaster. That's really cool. That's at 15th level. And it's, so, and it's you or a creature you can see. So that's within... You already have Counterspell by that point and Banishment by that point. So this is just like an extra fuck you to spellcasters that I are near you. I love it. At 20th level. So this is what you get at 20th level as a paladin. You get what's called Mortal Bulwark. You manifest a spark of your deity's power in defense of your sacred oath. As a bonus action, you gain the following benefits for one minute. You gain true sight in a 120-foot radius. Holy shit. You have advantage on attack rolls against elementals, phase, fiends, and aberrations. When you hit a creature with an attack and deal damage to it, you can also force it to make a charisma saving throw. On a fail, the creature is magically banished <laughs> to its native plane of existence if it's currently not there. On a successful save, the creature can't be banished by this feature for 24 hours. You gain all of that for a minute. This is a once per long rest. But this is a bonus action. Holy shit. That, I want to make it. I want to play it. That is the coolest <laughs> paladin so I've, cool. I've seen this in a is, while. This is going to get so freaking nerfed. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I do too. I love it so much. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that... That's, that's like, my top runner for this one. I like one. the paladin. And so I, the next one oh. is Warlock. At first level, so this is right out the gate, naturally, because that's how warlocks work, mm -hmm. gains the otherworldly patron feature. Here's a playtest option for the feature, the noble genie. All right, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. That feels weird. I know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that name. You don't You don't know how you feel about Will Smith popping in, being, uh, your, being your patron? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. So, to give you guys a, a heads up, genies in the world of D&D are elementals. They are not exactly the concept of, like, genies and jinn in, like, classic folklore. Well, in relig the religions that they're in. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's... I understand that. It still feels weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, anytime I have an adventure that has it in there, I'm like, ah, I don't know. That's weird. So, but maybe I'm being weird. I don't know. Noble genies. I actually haven't heard of these before, but it looks like they gave us a little bit of a background on them. All here. right. Well, let's find out what they did. You made a pact with one of the rarest of genie kind, a noble genie. Such entities are rulers of vast fiefs on the elemental planes and have great influence over lesser genies and elemental creatures. Noble genies are varied in their motivations, but are all arrogant collectors of creatures, knowledge, and treasure. A genie values their collection and will protect that which they claim ownership over. Though you're, through your connection to the noble, you can leverage their influence and extend their ownership of things in the multiverse. Okay. All okay. right. So at first level, you get an expanded spell list, just like you would with any other patrons. 
lets you choose from an expanded spell list. The following spells are added. At first, you get Fog Cloud and Sleep. Mm-hmm. At second, you get Enlarge, Reduce, and Phantasmal Force. Third, you get Create Food and Water and Protection from Energy. Fourth, you get Polymorph mm-hmm. and Phantasmal Killer. Mm-hmm. Fifth, you get Big B's Hand and Creation. Mm. All right. So, Collector's Vessel. At first level, your patron gives you a magical vessel with which you can bind a creature to you and your patron's menagerie. The vessel is a tiny object, and it is a spellcasting focus for you. You decide what the object is, or you can determine what it is randomly by rolling on the collector's vessel table. So before you go into this, I just have to mention that my friend Marcos already texted me in the group saying, Hey guys, we can finally play Pokemon in D&D. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) And God damn it, reading this now, I know he's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Yep. So here are the possible uh, D6 table that you can choose from. Um, oil lamp, an urn, a ring with a compartment, a stoppered bottle, a hollow statuette, or ornate lantern. So you can go full on Aladdin with this, yep. or you can just use a little thing. Yep. L- use a little coke ring. Yeah. <laughs> if you lose your vessel, you can perform a one hour ceremony to receive a replacement. This ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest and it destroys the previous vessel. The vessel vanishes in a flare of elemental power when you die. As an action, when you're holding the vessel, you target a willing creature you can see within 100 feet of you and create a tether of wispy elemental material that links the target to you. The tether lasts for an hour until you use this feature to create another tether, until the bound target is reduced to zero hit points, or until the target ends its turn more than 100 feet from you. While you are tethered, you gain the following benefits. You gain a bonus to your wisdom perception checks equal to your charisma modifier. When you cast a spell, you can deliver the spell from your space or the bound creature's space. Huh. You can create a tether the number of times equal to your charisma modifier, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So you can target a willing... Oh, so it has to be a willing creature you can see within 100 feet of you. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So essentially... I mean, you you are following the concept of the noble genie where you're like collecting something. So I'm only assuming you have to befriend a creature or something along those lines in order to, for them to be like hanging out with you. So, I, well, like, it's a little less Pokemon-y because like it doesn't sound like they go into the vessel. No. Uh, you just tether them and they have to be within 100 feet of you. Yeah. Um, collector's vessel and packed boons. So there's a little tidbit here. That Wait, side. could you do that to your allies? It says a willing creature. Huh. Yeah. So you can, like, cast spells through your allies? You can tether your fighter that's at the front and then do something. Hmm. <laughs> um, collector's vessels and pack boons. When you create a tether with your collector's vessel, the tether takes on a form that reflects your patron's type of genie kind. Swirling mist and world for a, and wind for a genie. Sand and flecks of rock or gems for a deo. Smoke and embers for an Ephrati. And a foamy water for a marid. When you gain the Pact Boon feature at third level, if you choose a boon that grants you a physical object, the vessel transforms into that object. For example, a warlock whose patron is a noble Ephredi and chooses the Pact of the Tome might find their bottle transformed into an elaborate scroll made up of red dragon's wing with brass and iron rolling rods. Oh, so that's just like a flavor like enhancer. Yeah. So at sixth level, elemental resistance. This this seems like it was coming. Um, your patron grants you protection from an element. Whenever mm-hmm. you finish a long rest, you gain resistance to acid, cold, fire, or lightning damage until the end of your next long rest. While the tether of your collected vassal is active, the tethered creature gains resistance to the damage type you choose. Okay. Okay. So while you're tethered with something, they also gain yeah. damage resistance. That's nice. At 10th level, protective wish. 
You're now able to use your collector's vessel to wish for protection for yourself or your tethered creature. If you or the tethered creature is hit by an attack, you can use your reaction to teleport, swapping places with the creature and switching which one of you is hit by the oh attack. Oh my god, this is mercy. You're, you're mercy from Overwatch. <gasps> you are. If you could this freaking, the tether. If you could heal through the tether, this would be mercy. Like I'm now, I just want to make this character and have him dress like like the worst '90s dad, and all of the other party members are kids on leashes. It's like, no, 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 we're not going over there. Okay, fine, you can go over there. You can get hit. Then you yank him back. Yeah, yank him back, back over there. <laughs> That's yeah. You're not wrong. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, at tenth level, you get Genie's Entertainment. As an action, you attempt to send a creature you can see within ninety feet of your patron's court. Uh, oh, to your patron's court. Wow. The target must succeed in a Christmas saving throw against your warlock spell DC or be magically drawn into your vessel and teleported to your patron's court in the elemental planes. Okay, well, that's different. While there, the target is stunned and your patron marvels at the target with amusement, <laughs> but brings no harm to it. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, reappearing in the space it left or in the nearest unoccupied space if that space is occupied on success. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish the long rest. If the target remains in your patron's court for one minute, the genie sends the target back at the end of its turn as if it successfully saved and you regain the use of this feature. Interesting. So if they can't save for a whole minute, for 10 rounds in a row, the genie's like, all right, that was fun, and sends them back. Hmm. And then you can use it again. You don't have to wait. Interesting. That's fun. Um, At 14th level which is the last one. It's called Collector's Call. In exchange for extending your patron's influence over the multiverse, you can call on more of their power. As an action, you can implore your patron for aid by making a charisma persuasion check against your warlock spell CC. If the check succeeds, you can choose one of the following. you got to make a charisma save against your own DC. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A creature you can see within 60 feet of you regains 8d6 hit points and ends one disease or condition afflicting it. Blinded, charmed, deaf, and frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned. Mercy. A creature you can see within 60 feet of you has disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the start of your next turn. You cast the legend lore spell without material components. Jeez. Whether the check succeeds or fails, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. Alternatively, you can use use of you can regain the use of this feature by sacrificing non-magical treasure worth at least 500 gold to your patron. This sacrifice requires the treasure to be within 10 feet of you for at least one minute, at the end of which you use an action to teleport the treasure to your patron's realm, providing you have the vessel of your collector's vessel in hand. So for some reason, this feels more connected. Like there's more of a connection to your patron. Yeah. Like a physical connection. You can probably actually hang out with your patron than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> that is a different take on warlocks. I just don't know about this class. It's it's well, I feel like it patron. needs healing. Yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's a very strange subclass. I don't. This is nothing pops uh, off in my yeah. like like I said. It's mercy, but like nothing pops off in my head of like a character I would make or an NPC I would make. It's just it's uh. it's a control warlock. Yeah, that's what they tried to make here, and it feels all right, but it feels like it's all over the place, and it's like there it's too much of like control over the battlefield. But then you've also got a lot of buffing for whatever you're tethered to. Yeah, but then it's like it's also limited in that fashion, and of course you're a warlock too, so don't forget that. So you only have like four spells to go. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know about that one. It's. Mm. 
Oh, like, well, okay. So we're, we're kind of mad on that one. But overall, what do you think of this UA? I think it's fun. And I think they're still pumping out a bunch of um, subclasses to fill in those party roles that yeah. the original class doesn't provide. Yeah. I, 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 the, the monk is really interesting. The paladin, I love. The yeah. barbarian, the warlock, I'm kind of meh on. Um, but once again, like, all I can think during this is like, what is this for? Yeah, that paladin build? list of spells is like the best extended spell list I've seen in a while. Yeah, and and, and think about that in contrast to the last paladin thing we got, the heroic one, oh, which we said was possibly the worst one we read. Yeah. And and to get this one, this is incredible. Yeah, like the flavor text of it makes sense. The, the extended spells all make sense yeah. and more so. Yeah. Like the and powers sound really cool. I, I think that's why the monk and the paladin one work for us is because they make sense thematically for that class. They fit together with the theme and the flavor that they're presenting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like what they're going for with those two. And I'm definitely going to use them because they're really neat. Yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine a full party of Watcher Paladins? Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. Oh my god, that's how cool would that be? <laughs> it's like, alright, all the bad things now have to do the Abyss Watchers fight over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, that's, yeah, that'd be great. But um, but yeah, uh, so the thing, important thing to note here is the, um, the survey for the last uh, UA is out with the release of this one. Mm-hmm. Go let them know what you thought about that one. And when the survey comes out for that, this, let them know as well, because those surveys is what is going to get this stuff made. Yeah. Um, so if you want that psionic class that we talked about last time in a book, it's probably a good place to go to let them know you want that. Yeah, so this is the first one of 2020, and like this title suggests that I mentioned earlier, this is going to be the first of many. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Wait, I wonder if any of those subclasses from last year are going to be in Wildmount. Ooh. That would be interesting. I don't know. Um, I think they already kind of established which ones are going to be in there. And plus no, they've I don't been... think, no, they haven't. I don't think they've talked about what subclasses okay. are going to be in there. Well, they talked about Dunamancy. I know the, there's a wizard subclass in there, mm-hmm. um, and that's not the Onomancy one. Yeah. Because it, it mucks with time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, um, but still, like, I, again, what is this for? What do we do? Like, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited every time I see it. I'm happy to do the service, but I want to know what this is for. I know. I'm so, I just, I need to know. This is, this is how you do build up. Exactly. Yeah. I'm hype. <laughs> yeah. I'm hype and I don't even know what I'm hyped for. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our show for this week. Sorry again that this wasn't about the Tyranny of Dragons. <laughs> um, we'll get to that next week. We promise for realsies this time. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So until next week, don't get killed by a toxic community. (laughs) 